Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Hi, my name is Melissa Smith from GirlBoxing.org, and I'm listening to No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On this edition of the show, we once again spoke with our colleagues Chris Baldwin of The War Room and Melissa Smith of Girl Boxing on The War Room. A video of this discussion has also been posted on the War Sports YouTube page. Our guest was Kieran Cunningham the chief sports writer and current affairs columnist at the Irish Daily Star. We spoke with him by Zoom Sunday, January 30th, which was the 50th anniversary of Bloody Sunday, a bloody massacre where British soldiers opened fire, killing 13 unarmed peaceful protesters in Derry, Northern Ireland. We discussed Bloody Sunday, the mob in Irish boxing, and sports washing. Now, that discussion. Welcome to the show, everybody. We are the War Room, and I am your fight goddess, Chris Baldwin, here with my boxing family, Melissa Smith. She is a boxing, women's boxing historian, and my boy, the conscious of combat sports, Mr. Eddie Goldman. Today, we welcome Kieran Cunningham to the show. He works for the Irish Daily Star as their chief sports writer and current affairs columnist. And recently, he published an article in Buzz IE on John Duddy, who's an Irish boxer turned actor, and the impact Bloody Sunday had on him and the community of Derry when Brit- British soldiers shot and killed 13 unarmed protesters doing a civil rights protest. Now, today is Bloody Sunday, and the War Room is holding space for the families of all of those who lost their lives 50 years ago today. Welcome to the show, Kieran. We are here to discuss MTK Global and Daniel Kinahan, but first, we want I want you to take a moment to uh, give us a little bit of background on Bloody Sunday and what was this protest all about? Well, the, the protests, um, the civil rights marches in Northern Ireland had, um, had been going on for four years at that time. And they were effectively down to, um, like, if you know the history of Northern Ireland, there's a Catholic community and a Protestant community. And the Protestant community would have been the majority community and they would have been largely in favour of British rule. And everything was put in their favour. Like, they, they were, you know, they had a better chance of getting jobs. They had a better chance of housing. You know, the, the, the Irish the Catholics in the north were effectively treated as second class citizens. So there were civil rights marches, which took inspiration from the civil rights movement in, in the US. And, the, 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 you know, they even used We Shall Overcome, like they used the same songs, etc. And there was a crossover there. And one of the marches was arranged for January 30, 1972, in Derry. And the paratroops, uh, British paratroop uh, regiment, uh, opened fire on unarmed, unarmed protesters, killed 13. Another guy died a few months later from his injuries. So in total, there were 14 deaths and 
Seven of those were teenagers, you know, six of them were 17 years old. They were very young. And there's a boxing connection because uh, uh, John Duddies, uh, who was a pro in America for quite a while, his uncle Jackie was the first, he was the first killed. He was 17. He was a boxer. He wanted to go to the Olympics. That was his dream. And Anthony Nash, who was a brother, Charlie Nash, who ended, who went to the Munich Olympics that year, his brother was shot. And uh, Charlie went on to be European champion in the pro game and fought for a world title against Jim Watt in 1980. So the justice, like it took until 2010 for the British government to apologize for what happened. But there's never been, you know, there has been attempts to bring some of this uh, military personnel involved uh, to justice, but it hasn't happened yet. Can, can you, I just want to add one thing, because I, I'm trying to remember where this happened. It was just a couple of months ago, I saw an interview that was discussed with an American reporter discussing Northern Ireland and Ireland. And he said he had to look up what the difference was between the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, and that most Americans don't know the difference. So maybe... Yeah. I know I know the difference. I remember when a lot of this happened. I'm kind of old as you see, but <laughs> and and I know John Duddy also, but okay. I would if you could just briefly explain what the difference is for those people that our educational system have uh, failed. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Well, Ireland is obviously you know was one country for for hundreds and hundreds of years, you know, but you know Ireland was uh colonized by uh, by by England 800 years ago, you know, and that land that eventually led to a conflict. There was a revolution in 1916, which is called the 1916 Rising. That land then led to the War of Independence a couple of years ago between Britain and Ireland, uh, which ended up with a treaty which was 100 years ago. And to try, and eventually they came with a compromise because uh, in the north of Ireland, particularly around Belfast, and you know the. to Scotland especially and they very much wanted to be part of Britain to, to remain part of Britain so there was a decision taken by the negotiators on both sides to partition the island so there's 32 there are 32 counties in Ireland six of them in the north especially the northeast uh, stayed with Britain and they became Northern Ireland and the rest of the country uh, became the Republic of Ireland so the, after the treaty was signed, there was a civil war within Ireland. And then you had the, what we call the Troubles in Northern Ireland 50 years later, you know, where, where uh, you know, that came out of the civil rights movement and that people wanted a united Ireland. So that's that's a, a capsule history lesson for you. Right. And I remember you mentioned the connections to the American civil rights movement and all that. I remember... Bernadette Devlin came over to the U.S. several times to speak. I remember yeah. seeing her speak back in the day. And there were a lot of people who were pro-civil rights, who were against the, the U.S. war in Vietnam and into China and all that, supporting the movement of the, the Irish people at the time. And maybe yeah. today that sounds antiquated, but that was something that was considered a very important issue back in the day. Yeah, because if you look at... Um... Eddie, like the first civil rights marches were in 1968. If you look at 1968 worldwide, you know, you Tommy Smith and John Carlos, the Black Power, Power protest at the Mexico Olympics. 
you have the Prague Spring, you have students writing in Paris, uh, you have um, Martin Luther King was shot there. You know, you have all sorts of stuff happening around the world. Like there was a revolutionary fervor around that time. And that, you know, that uh, uh, there were people within Ireland who latched onto that and saw themselves as a, a part of a bigger movement. And, you know, worldwide, there was uh, a political awakening at that time, I think. This is fascinating history. Thank you. So um, we want to move this into the conversation about um, your latest article. So I think you just did another uh, recent article on Daniel Kenahan's uh, being the advisor to so many boxers. <clears throat> and uh, give us a let's hear the story now. What's going on with that in MTK Global? Because I know okay. they're being sued. Yeah. Uh, yeah, should I explain who he is? Like, would your listeners know, or should I, you know, should I fill in some of the history on Daniel Kinnan and MTK? Give a little history because while we've had this before, among the, Amer the American boxing media, there's been a little bit of coverage of him sporadically, but but not a whole lot, and mostly ignoring it because they're just doing whatever uh, Bob Arum and Tyson Fury and. Frank Warren and MTK Global and those people, they're just sort of repeating whatever they say and okay. not really elucidating on it. Right. Okay. Well, it started with Christy Kinahan, who's Daniel's father, and he would be a notorious gangland figure in our, both Ireland and, and worldwide. You know, and he has, you know, he's, he's gone to prison at, at various times there. Um, and he would have been, you know, the father figure of the, the Kinahan cartel. And Daniel Kinahan is now the head of the Kinahan cartel. And the Kinahan cartel, like this isn't by any way, in any means, an Irish story, like a, a small story. Like the Kinahan cartel is one of the biggest global drugs cartels in the world. Like it's been linked with 70 murders worldwide. Within Ireland, you know, the Kinahan Hutch feuds, was a, which was two rival gangs, another uh, headed by a guy called Jerry Hutch. You know, the 18 people were murdered in that in the last few years, but 16 of the murders were carried out by the Kinahan side. And it's a, it's a billion-dollar cartel. Like, it operates in South America, all over Europe. It operates in America. It operates in Africa. It operates in Australia. But, you know, one thing that's always brought up with Daniel Kinahan, some people who defend him say um, that he has no convictions, you know. But, you know, the High Court in Dublin, you know, it's been, they've named him as the head of this cartel. The police have named him, you know, it's, it's widely accepted by international police forces as the head of this cartel. The reason he lives in Dubai is he lived in Spain for many years. There's an extradition treaty with Spain. In Dubai, the problem with uh, trying to get somebody from extradited from Dubai is that they want a reciprocal agreement. And the Irish government don't want to go undertake that with the United Arab Emirates because of human rights issues. But there could be people here, say in Ireland, that they want to bring back to the UAE for something that we wouldn't see here as a crime. You know, it might be just the, their political dissenters, whatever. So he's gone to Dubai because it's a safe place, but the net is closing on him. But at the same time, he's quite arrogant and his moves to put himself at the front and center of boxing have never stopped. But before MTK Global was called MTK, it was called MGM. It has never been made clear when um, he first became involved with MGM, but we know that uh, he was pictured in July 2014 having lunch with 
uh, Matthew Macklin, the founder of MGM, and the promoter, Eddie Hearn. They were pictured together in Spain. A month later, MGM made front page headlines when the boxer Jamie Moore was shot outside his Marbella gym. That November, Macken was knocked out in a WBC title eliminator in Dublin. Kinnaghan was in the tents all along. In July 2015, they had their first card in Dublin. Kinnaghan was photographed inside the ring that night. Five months later, there was a small hall show in Dublin. There was an assassination attempt on Kinnaghan. Then this is the big one. February 5th, 2016, there was a weigh-in at the Regency Hotel in Dublin for a fight involving uh, MTK fighters, a card involving the MTK TK fighters, an associate of the Kinnan cartel, David Byrne, was shot dead. It's believed that Kinnan was the intended target, but he left the way in early. And that, since that Regency shooting in 2016, professional boxing south of the border in Ireland, like big shows still go on in Belfast, but in Dublin especially, it's dead. You know, the police won't allow it because it's too dangerous. It's a magnet for gangland particularly the uh, people involved around Kinahan. And Dublin really now is the only capital city in the whole of Europe that can't host a major boxing event. Like there's still the odd small hall show, but there's nothing, that, there's no arena shows and no stadium shows. And it's all down to this guy, Daniel Kinahan. And so even Irish star boxers like Katie Taylor, uh, has to, has, she has to box in the UK and coming to America and everywhere else but her home yeah. country. Yeah, she's never fought here, you know, never fought here as a professional. Uh, and that's down, that's down to the kid in factor. Like at different times, you'll hear Eddie Heard say, oh, you know, we're trying to, we would love to do something in Dublin and we're working on that. But, you know, it's been made clear to me that it's not going to happen because a couple of issues, uh, they, might, they might have to put MTK fighters on the undercard and the police wouldn't be in favour of that. And they're just afraid of the big events that it just becomes a magnet for trouble, you know, that uh, the, 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 the boxing has become a toxic, uh, boxing has become almost toxic in Ireland, which is a shame. Like, uh, I should point out where boxing stands in the Irish sporting landscape. Like, uh, by far, boxing is Ireland's most successful international sport. More than half of Ireland's Olympic medals have come in boxing. You know, most of the world champions Ireland have had in, at professional level in different sports have been in boxing. You look at the history of boxing in the States, it's like largely the history of migrant communities and disadvantaged communities and marginalized communities. And that really started off with boxing with uh, Italian and Irish immigrants, later African-Americans, people of Hispanic origin, it's Asian origin, etc. But the early years of the 20th century, a large amount of the fighters, the managers and promoters said were either Irish or Italians. You know, so I, I, uh, because of that, you know, there's been a long Irish love affair with boxing. So it's very sad where we are now. Like, there's no more loved figure in Irish sport than Katie Taylor. But she can't fight here, you know, which is really sad. It's heartbreaking and, and, and also heartbreaking for young girls who can't go and see her perform at her peak of her professional career, even yeah. though she's been so important to the development of the sport for women in particular in Ireland. Um, yeah, but you see that in the gyms, Melissa, like uh, the amount of young girls and women who've taken up boxing, particularly since the 2012 Olympics, when she won gold, like it, it really had a, a massive... 
uh, one lightweight gold yep. at the Tokyo Olympics. And she's a hugely inspirational figure as well. Like she's, she talks so well, like she, she works as a cleaner in a, in, in a home. Like she's not, because she choo chooses to do it. Like she doesn't have to, she has funding, she has sponsors, but she's so grounded. And she, so many people look up to her and Katie Taylor. And it's just a shame that this is where we are. And one of the things that really gets to me is that people in boxing have enabled this. They've allowed this to happen. Like there's no proper governance in boxing. Like if this was, say, soccer governing body like FIFA. So if you had somebody like Daniel Kinnan trying to come into soccer, you could go to FIFA and say, you know, how can you allow this to happen? Can you do something about this? Where do you go with boxing? Like there's, there's different governing bodies, but basically they hand out belts. Then, you know, like say every state in America has their own uh, licensing commission or whatever. You know, everybody makes their own rules. And then you go to like the British Boxing Board of Control and they say, oh, we can't do anything with Daniel Kinnan. He's an advisor. We can't control advisors. So you can effectively be a manager or owner. But if you call yourself an advisor, they say you can't do anything about you. Like it's, it's an absolute joke. Yeah, it is. And, and uh, you know, in the United States, it's very much the case. And Kinahan has been seen, you know, been given that advisor role with some top boxers. And, you know, the question for us is, where, where will this lead to? Where does the continued growth of MTK Global and the fact that they're continuing to add fighters to their roster um, and putting out, you know, sister organizations like ProBellum and what the relationships are with things like Sky Sports and Boxer um, and how that could potentially is already impacting the American market, especially for female boxers, which are not finding promotional opportunities, management opportunities. So they're coming to the UK um, for to be able to get big fights or reason even reasonable paydays, and that will start to infiltrate. So very very concerning. Yeah, like just take the UK as an example. Now it's it's very hard to put on a pro show in the UK now without MTK involvement or without people who are very closely linked to MTK. You know, there's no clarity with the way they operate. Like I've sent them so many questions at different times. Every one of the questions been ignored, the emails, the calls. Uh, the only response I've ever got for them has been blocked on Twitter, which is like, it's pretty juvenile. And it's a very strange behavior for an international sports management committee. Uh, company, no, it's a very strange way to deal with journalists. So, you you know, you don't get clarity. Like I ask, I've asked TV companies, do they ever negotiate? They all say they don't. But clearly, somebody's talking to Daniel Ginnan because all the boxers say the advisor, and so many boxers say he's the guy who's organizing things. But you ask people, is it? Oh no, I've never spoken to. Him. Well, who the hell's speaking to? Him? Because somebody is. These deals have been made. Like it's, you know, this thing comes up all the time, and people say, oh, you look at. Uh, Boxing's mafia links in the 50s and 60s. You look at how Don King killed two guys. That doesn't, what happened 60, 70, 50 years ago, doesn't let you get away with this now. You know, it doesn't give you a free pass. You know, it's completely irrelevant. Like no other sport I can think of will be allowed to behave like this. Like in sport, boxing is always, there, there are a lot of people within boxing who've always been attracted to, you know, Jimmy Cannon, the, the journalist, described it as the red light district of sport. A lot of people have liked that, that it's got that kind of uh, shady allure, but you still have to do things in some way properly, you know, and that a guy with these kind of questions 
and all the allegations and all the stuff that's been put out there uh, and all the, you know, really serious claims we've made about how, how the MT, the Kin and Cartel operates. How do you still allow this to happen? Like, it really, uh, it's really damaged my love affair with boxing, I'll be honest, really hurt. I, I have one question. In, in your research, in your work, have you found any links between the rising online gambling industry, both in, the, in Europe and now uh, all permeating the United States, and the Kinahan, any of Kinahan's organizational tentacles? I haven't looked into that, no. It's something I might look into, Melissa. I don't know of that, so I don't want to speculate, but no, it's not something I know about. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we've been starting to think about because... Um, I mean, it's something that has been uh, it's certainly in Las Vegas and other centers. But what we're finding now is that even on major sports, um, on major boxing shows, they're being actually sponsored in part by these um, gambling organizations. Not only mm -hmm. that, but their on-air yeah. commentators are giving the, the sports line in between rounds so that people yeah. can bet. And um it just seems to me rife for corruption opportunities um, where someone can just, even if they shave what they do in one round, it can have very large implications in a betting, in an online betting environment, hence the question. Okay, fair enough. Right, well, you also mentioned the situation in Dubai and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Dubai and the United Arab Emirates has emerged as a major, venue for boxing they mm. now have a, a promotional company which you mentioned earlier probellum which is based in dubai although the president at least the name is richard schaefer formerly of golden boy who's based in los angeles a former uh, swiss banker and all of a sudden Pro probellum with with no tv contract with no streaming contract putting on shows before small crowds is signing dozens and dozens of these fighters. They signed uh, Sonny Edwards, the, who holds a flyweight belt, who openly is pro Kinahan. The Kinahan, they just signed Estelle Mosley, who's an Olympic gold medalist who defeated it's controversy because, of course, it's the Olympic judging. But she has a win over Katie T The question is, where where did this come from and how is this really being developed? And from what I understand, while Schaefer is the is the, the front man, a number of their executives, a former MTK Global executives now with ProBellum and booking MTK fighters, like I said, Sonny Edwards and, and many others. So uh, yeah. it, it, it looks like this sort of burying, it looks like that. They, I think they do run some MTK global shows, but I think for the big shows, they're sort of embedding themselves in these other major boxing events. And of course, with Tyson Fury, we know that Fury is, is tight with that. And they, the the purse bid was just won by Frank Warren for 41 million US dollars and the sanctioning bodies in this yeah. case, it's WBC. amazing. Frank is suddenly is that amount of money. That's all I say. Yeah, where did that <laughs> come from? Yeah. The sanctioning bodies aren't going to do anything about it because they get three percent of the take, and that's a nice haul for one fight. Yeah.
whatever happens with Usyk and Joshua with the other three major sanctioning bodies, we'll also get something that's, uh, you know, get major sanctioning fees too, because Eddie Hearn, as you said, has been linked to this and the negotiations that fell apart last year to put Joshua versus Fury in Saudi Arabia. And the Saudis are in, involved in this whole thing too. So you yeah. just have an, a mess. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, yeah, you mentioned so. In, in terms of sports, in the, the Middle East countries, you know, you know, where United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, you know, I don't know if you've heard the phrase sports washing, but like yep. it's a deliberate, it's a deliberate policy, basically to launder the reputation of countries, which isn't great, which aren't great in the international state through the medium of sport. So you have the World Cup in soccer in Qatar this year. You have the World Championships in athletics in, in Qatar before. Uh, Formula One Grand Prix in motor racing. You know, there's three, of, there are three of them in the Middle East. Uh, you know, a lot of the best golfers in the world have been out to Saudi, you know, taking a huge amount of money to do so, despite being criticized for doing so. And this is where uh, Daniel Kinnan has positioned himself as well, because he knows this is where the money is. And boxing always chases the money. So that's why if Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury ever does happen, more than likely it'll happen in Saudi Arabia. Because Daniel Kinnan has the context there. He's been working on that. And he's effectively, he's the guy pulling the strings with Tyson Fury, you know, the, in his advisory role or whatever you want to call it. But, like, there was, uh, like, he, he had set up, he, he tied himself in with the Bahraini government, an organization set up by the Bahraini government, Daniel Kinnan. But when the Ferrari around him uh, came to the surface over Tyson Fury, Thanking him on Instagram two years ago for arranging the fights with Joshua, uh, you know this was a bit premature by by uh, Fury to say this had happened. The the, the Bahrainis uh, ran scared and they, they cut their links, you know. But there's uh, there's no doubt that he's a power broker in that region, and that is the region with money in world sport now because a lot of cities and a lot of countries now don't want to host major sporting events. Because they can be very costly and there's no guarantee you get your money back. But in the Middle East, they see it as a means towards an end. So, you know, so many, they, you know, the bots, soccer clubs like Paris Saint-Germain and Manchester City and Newcastle United spent huge amounts of money on these things. And that's down, uh, you know, you look at uh, the appearance fees that's been, uh, some of the golfers, just the appearance fee, they're getting $3 million to play there. You know, so... This is this. That's one of the reasons Daniel Kinnan is there. It's one of the reasons. Another, a large part of it is because he he wants to go somewhere he doesn't think he'd be extradited from. But otherwise, the other part is he wants to be the center box. Like he's always had this ambition to be the new Mister Big in boxing. Like he'll look around, and see he sees the age of Don King and Bob Arum and whoever, and think these guys are coming to the end. No, there's a vacuum there. He thinks mm -hmm. he's the guy who'll fill that vacuum. So listen, you don't think, hold on, um, uh, you don't think this lawsuit in California will have an impact on uh, maybe Dubai kicking him out or now that they've published the, um, they published a legal notice in the Dubai, in Dubai's newspapers there. So 
What yeah, the, impact the do you short think? answer yeah the short answer is they don't know like yeah. I, I don't know how their judicial system works no I don't know you know would they ever even be able to get it into court you know it's it's a long shot so no I don't know you know it's like there are a lot of claims in that suit and backing up the claims you know is hard to do right so, uh, you know but I think the likelier scenario to be honest is that he's eventually extradited because a lot of people within the Kinnan cartel have been lifted in the last year or two. You know, mm. a lot of them have been jailed. A lot of them have been convicted. So the net is closing. A lot of his most trusted lieutenants are now behind bars. So I think and I think there, there is huge international pressure in Dubai over this guy because, it, you know, Kinnan's involvement has got a lot of publicity. Like I see years since the BBC Panorama program. And, you know, that, that brought the story to a wider audience than just boxing fans. Because largely within boxing, most boxing fans don't care. As long as the fights are made, they don't care. You know, that's, and, you know, this, this is a very, has been a very frustrating story for me to cover because it's very hard to get people to talk on the record. Like I've talked to a lot of people, like boxers and trainers and managers, whatever, who think, oh, you know, this guy's terrible for boxing. You know, I, I wish he was get, get out of it. I wish there was somebody who'd stand up to him. But they won't say so in public because there's fear there. And it's not just fear because he's a dangerous guy. It's fear that if you cross him, you know, he has the power to make life very difficult for you in boxing. So you won't get on cards. You won't get the money. You won't get the purses, whatever. So, you know, you you just do a quick Google search and, you know, try and find people who've spoken out against Daniel Kidd within boxing. There are very, very few. Barry McGuigan is one of the few. Yeah, Barry can... McGuigan is few. Uh, I talked to Billy Walsh, who's... You know, he's the amateur coach with Team USA for the last couple of Olympic cycles. Like Billy has spoke out against him a couple of years ago. Kenneth Egan did, who was a you should know three or four you're looking at. That's about it. The, the, the case the case from California is interesting because it directly involves American law where MTK Global is accused of poaching fighter Jojo Diaz while he was still under contract to one of the smaller management companies. And this lawyer, I think his name is pronounced Eric Montavo, went to Dubai and is making a whole big case about it. And, and I think it comes down to whatever, you know, the, you talk about a legal system in a country like the United Arab Emirates. It's an absolute monarchy. It's whatever the monarchy wants. It's not like a real independent legal system. It's, even with all the weaknesses in the Western legal system just nothing like that in a country like that so i think it's going to come down to politics and i think what's if you look what's happening with the uae there and in the middle east some of those pro-western monarchies are starting to see that particularly when trump was in office the u.s is an unreliable partner they're not going to do anything to help them when the uh when there were the drone strikes on the saudi uh um, oil production that knocked out half of their oil production for a while. The U.S. basically did nothing, and they're starting to reassess what to do. And the question for them is going to be risk-reward. What's the reward for the UAE keeping Kinahan there, keeping this guy, giving this guy, uh, you know, a free haven, as opposed to when they're trying to normalize they've normalized relations with israel i think one of the top israeli ministers was just in the uae they're trying to uh, 
cover up and improve their image, doing a lot of different things. Um, it sports, the sports washing is part of it, and also diversifying their economy as away from oil production because demand for oil is going down. There's climate change, and the oil, the, the petroleum will run out in a number of years, and they're they're very very well aware of that both in Saudi Arabia and the UAE. So, what's the benefit of them? keeping this guy there when they can score political points with the West if they extradite him somewhere, if, yeah, they, if yeah. they just find reason to kick him out. So I think if we keep up the pressure, you know, some and the uh, awareness on it, something might happen. Yeah, no, I, I think you're on to something there, Eddie, because, yeah, ultimately, I think it, it won't. No, it's definitely not going to come down to boxing. You know, boxing is not going to do anything with Dana Kinning. Boxing as a sport doesn't care. So it will come down, and uh, you know, I think it'll come down to political pressure. And you look at it as an example, like there, Daniel Kinnett wasn't alone in being a major cartel leader uh, living in Dubai. You know, there'd be quite a few others from different countries. And a few of those have been extradited over the last year or two because of political pressure. You know, one was a guy, Raffaele Imperiali, and he was a boss of uh, Camara Naples in Italy, you know, the uh, which is the uh, Neapolitan Mafia. And he 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 was in, in cahoots with Kinahan and he was extradited last year. So and that was down to political pressure. So and that's... your image. And if you're harboring somebody like Daniel Kinahan, your image is going to be tainted. So eventually... You have to act. So I think political pressure will come to play. And, you know, Donald Kinnan isn't allowed to enter the U.S. If he sets foot in European soil, he will be arrested. So, you know, where does he go? If Dubai, if he thinks, oh, I need to get out of Dubai, he doesn't have many places to go to. So, you know, that was one of the reasons I think he wanted to set up the link with Bahrain, that he thought, man, that door. So, you know, I, I don't think uh, the Kinnan story will run and run. No, I think he will eventually. Be brought to justice. He could always go to Russia, of course. Since <laughs> another Putin will take guy him. in Russia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they like they like a bit of sports washing as well. So exactly. But I, I want to get that back to your uh, the article you wrote last week about uh, Michael uh, Conlon and okay, you know who's going to be fighting Lee Wood for the WBA World Featherweight title on a on a matchroom boxing card in, in Nottingham um, on March 12th. So what is, will have on Conlon in terms of his career, his place in boxing, because, you know, you've, you've brought up the connection to MTK Global and what does that impact sort of locally, but also in the region in the UK as well? Well, I'll just give you a, bit, a, bit, a better backstory, Melissa. Like, I used to be quite friendly with Michael Conlon. Like, as an amateur, I knew him. Uh, it's probably 10 years ago since I met him. Like, I covered him in the 2012 Olympics, the 2016 Olympics. When he had that controversial defeat at the Rio Olympics, I actually went to meet him in his in apartment with his family a couple of days later for an interview, you know, on the zone, because I did know him quite well. But uh, so it's difficult to, to write. Uh, to go in so hard on somebody you had a lot of time for, but I cannot defend how much he's got in bed with, uh, you know, MTK Global. Like his brother Jamie was vice president as well, 
no, now they've set up this the, uh, their own group called um, management company called Conlon Boxing, and they've signed up some fighters and and you know there's just no explanations of where the money comes from or Michael Conlon is still listed on the MTK website as an MTK fighter. You know, even though this Conlon boxing crowd are there, he's trained by Adam Booth, who's an MTK trainer. Uh, in the, he will be taken on for the world title. He'll be taken on Lee Wood, who's an MTK fighter, and who's managed by Ben Davison, who's an MTK trainer. And Davison has been one of the voc- most vocal supporters of Daniel Kinnan in the boxing world. Like he's come out regularly and said, "This is what guys the best thing ever to happen to the sport." So, you know, a few years ago, uh, it was. What year? Well, let me just double check the year. It was 2015. Uh, the national broadcaster in Ireland is called RTE, and they have a Sports Person of the Year award, and it's quite a prestigious award. And Michael Conlon won it uh, in 2015. Up in Conor McGregor was nominated. You know, there was uh, top rugby players and soccer players, whatever. But he, uh, Michael Conlon had become the first Irish male boxer to win the World Amateur. the London Olympics as well. But he's gone from there to his, his record damaged by being associated with MTK. And, you know, MTK in Ireland now isn't as seen as beyond the pale. Like a lot of Irish fighters still sign up with them because the money that's involved, and some of them don't have much alternative. There are others like Michael Conan who think did make a choice and Gareth Brampton made a choice. They could have gone other places. But, you know, there's some I have a bit of sympathy for because nobody else was going to give them any chance of having a bit of a living. But, uh, you know, Michael Conlon, he would, I'd be curious about the week of that fight and the reaction if he wins. You know, will he be acclaimed as a world champion the way we've acclaimed Irish world champions in the past? I'm not sure yet how that will play out, but it'll be interesting to see. Have you, has there been much backlash to your article since you published it? Yeah, I, I get a bit, Melissa, but, you know, it's it's water of a duck's back, a duck's back at this stage because, you know, a lot of it is online and most of what you get online is abuse. Connections to boxing and I have a great belief in boxing people that have been some of the most decent people I've ever come across. You know, and I, I, that's what I stick to. You know, that's why I think the sport is worth fighting for. So I don't really care what fanboys, and mostly they're boys, have to say about it. So women are a bit more reasonable. Right. Really. Well, <laughs> where, does, uh, where does this new boxer promotion and the rejuvenated boxing program on Sky Sports fit into this? Because when Matchroom ended their deal with Sky Sports, and went strictly to the zone. A lot of people thought that, all right, Sky Sports Boxing was finished, just like HBO Boxing in the United States a couple of years ago. That's finished, and they haven't restarted that. And all of a sudden, it's been resuscitated with a lot of MTK fighters and others. You know, Sky Sports is just a major uh, broadcaster of boxing for a long, long time in the UK. And where does that, that fit in, that this, 
this boxer promotion, which was a small tournament that they had before the matchroom deal was over. All of a sudden, it's a major international promotion. Yeah, the short answer, Eddie, is if you bring up boxer or Conlon boxing or probellum, you know, and want to know, are they in any way related to MTK or whatever? We don't know. Like, nobody's ever, you know, I've, I've sent questions to both Pro Boxer and Probella, asking them, and I've received no answer. So there's been nothing put out to confirm they are or they aren't. But people do see a lot of crossovers. They see a lot of uh, personnel involved uh, in the uh, MTK personnel involved in different bodies. And that causes them to ask questions, and that causes them to wonder, wonder where the money is coming from. You know, go back to what, um, when BBC Panorama did that report, like one of the questions that was put to Bob Yalen, the CEO of MTK Global is, you know, how is all this funded? Like, how can you expand so quickly? When a lot of people within boxing were feeling the pinch. And he said, we have a big pot of money and nobody has ever explained where the big pot of money comes from. Exactly. I've been wondering where that big pot of money came from. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our viewers on uh, Daniel Kennehan or what stories you're working on that you want to share with the people? Well, uh, I just, I've been working on a podcast series myself about Daniel Kennehan boxing. It will be, it probably be five parts. It'd be at least three parts. Hopefully cool. it'd be out in the next month. I've done 12 interviews and have a few other wow. people lined up to interview. So I've interviewed people in the States, Germany, uh, UK, Ireland, between boxing, politicians, police, etc. So I'm just trying to, some of the stuff we talked about, I'm just trying to join a lot of the dots, you know, and just, I want to keep the story out there because it's important. It's too easy. There's too many people who wanted to disappear. Unfortunately, within the boxing media, the way the boxing media works, they're so dependent on promoters and managers for access and for even to, to get accreditation for fights, etc. Very few within the boxing media are willing to confront the story, but it's, I think it's a very important story and it's one that we should keep highlighting. Absolutely. And where can the people find you on social media? Uh, KC67, S-I-X-T-Y-S-E-V-E-N on Twitter, KC67. That's right. the one I use most, Twitter. I don't use the others much. I use them a little bit. But well, you go follow, follow us back on Twitter, too. Oh, yeah, yeah give us that. a follow. Oh, yeah, I thought I was. I'll do that straight away. Right on. Well, look, Kieran, it has been a pleasure and an honor to speak with you. I want you to keep up. We all want you to keep up the great work and bringing awareness to the open, dirty, open secret in boxing. Uh, that is the Daniel Kennehan drug cartel. Because, uh, you know, we'd like to see boxing come back to Dublin, right? People want to see yeah. boxing. We want to see Irish fighters fighting in Ireland and Dublin. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome to come over, Chris. Once I can't you, wait. You know what? I, look, I did my ancestry. I am part, I am like 16% Irish. I'm coming <laughs> over there. Okay. I'm a black Irish baby. Let's go. Okay. okay. Well, look, uh, uh, Melissa and uh, Eddie, I want you guys, uh, Melissa, go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you on social media. You are absolutely at Girl Boxing now on Twitter and Instagram and girlboxing.org on my website. Thank you. Right on, Eddie. Tell the people can, where they can find catch you. Me, 
Catch me on Twitter as the main social media at NHB News and also patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman, where you get exclusive articles, not just the new ones. You get access to all of them that have been up for for over a year on a whole lot of different topics and audio and video as well. So sign up, support independent journalism that doesn't kowtow to all these That's right. forces. That's right. And this is Sports Justice Radio. This is The War Room. And you guys can check us out at warsports.com, W-A-A-R-S-sports.com. And I am the Fight Goddess. You can follow me on Twitter at Angry Afro Radio. And this is Angry Afro Radio. Everybody, we are out. Peace, love, and push-ups. All right. I'll see you guys next time.